0: So thankful to have you join us here on this Sunday morning experience. Whether you're watching on Sunday morning, whether you're listening later on our podcast or throughout the week, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for church today. And we really truly believe that you will experience the presence of God if you are willing to let him in. If you're willing to take a step of faith this morning and allow God to speak to you, I believe you will hear from him or feel his presence, or feel at peace. But we want to ask the question this morning, what do you do when you find yourself hitting a spiritual wall? What do you do when you find yourself in the darkness? This past week, we, we, we did the annual Bell Let's Talk Day, and you could have gone on January 28th and read countless stories, maybe from people in our own communities, of their struggle with mental illness, And they have done an excellent job through this campaign over the years to help with the stigma of mental illness and depression and anxiety and and fill in the blank of mental illness. They have done an excellent job at reducing the stigma attached to that. But what do we do as spiritual people? If you are a believer in Jesus, what do you do? How do you handle your mental illness? How do you handle things when you are in the middle of your darkness and you ask the question, God, where are you? That was kind of last week's message. Where are you? This week, we want to jump into not where are you, God, but we want to wait on him. We're headed into part two of our series of hope in the dark today, talking about the book of Habakkuk, the prophet in the Old Testament. But before we get there, I want to introduce you to somebody. Her name is Joanne Goodwin. Now, she spoke at Mother's Day this year, uh, and she's going to share for about six minutes her story of, of her experience dealing with mental illness.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for letting me into your house. And to talk about mental health, isn't that a fun question? Don't you just love to talk about people with mental health issues? Actually, we need to talk about it because it's so prevalent today, and Bell Bell Canada is doing this Bell Let's Talk thing to bring up awareness and to raise money, and that's great. But I think we need to talk about it in the church a little more. We've come a long way, and we have started to, but I know that there's still so many misunderstandings out there about what people go through. And, And the tendency is still to think that if we love Jesus and are really committed to him, that we won't have mental health issues or depression. And it's just not true. It would be the same as saying, if you know Jesus and you're committed to him, you'll never have cancer, you'll never have uh, uh, MS, you'll never have, And we know that's not true. Uh, We we get sick and we go through things just like everybody else. The difference is that we do have a savior to walk through it with us. And, And we can have times where we, get to know him even better because of these things. But but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about understanding that people who go through severe depression, let's say, which has been my problem, uh, can still love Jesus with all their heart and feel suicidal. I never thought those two could go together. I thought you either love Jesus and are committed to him or you want your life to end. You can't be both at the same time, can you? Yeah, yeah, you can. We've had several high-profile pastors in the States recently that, and, and in Canada, who have uh, committed suicide and shocked everyone because they didn't know. You see, it's often not not able to be seen. Um, I've, I, you know, been di- diagnosed with different things. At first they said uh, major depressive disorder, and then I was diagnosed as um, uh, bipolar two which is uh, bipolar without any psychosis. It's a milder form of bipolar. And then I was diagnosed as, no, you got major mood disorder plus PTSD. So I don't know what I am. All I know is I'm weird, okay? And uh, it's something I've had to struggle with all my life. And for years, growing up in the church and not understanding why I was so sad or what that meant, because we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I thought, well, what's the what matter with me then? Am I just a bad Christian or does, does God just not like me? Or I didn't know what to think. And in my teens, I was pretty stupid. And I, uh, I'm pretty stupid now too, but, you know, different then. And uh, alcohol and stuff helped me. Made it worse, but it helped me for a little while. And I, I, was, I was desperate to find out what was wrong with me and to feel happy and, and I couldn't. I eventually, well I married married a pastor, uh, then I became a pastor, I've been a speaker for years, but for the last 20 years or so I, I was centering on the fact that I finally found out that I have a diagnosable problem and it can be medicated. And it was like night and day, it just really changed me when I found the right medication and it was wonderful and so for years I've been traveling around talking about depression and how it manifested itself in my life and how the medication made such a huge difference but in the last four years or so I'm guessing uh, I've had some problems I the meds needed to be tweaked and it wasn't working the same and uh, what I finally admitted a couple years ago when I spoke at one of our camps was that I was feeling suicidal then. They had asked me to speak and I thought, well, I sure won't speak about depression because I'm not doing really well at all right now. And then I found out that was exactly what they wanted me to speak about. So I told my story as I had for years about finding medication and finding out that it wasn't sinful to suffer and it wasn't sinful to take meds. And yet I was going through this couple weeks of I couldn't get out of my mind, I wanted to die so badly. I wanted to die so badly. And I thought it can't be wrong because everybody else will be better off without me. And I was just suffering terribly. And then I had to speak. So I told them my story. And then I said, "Um, actually, that's how I'm feeling right now. You could have heard a pin drop. Uh, We didn't know what to do with it. what do you mean? You can't be standing there on a platform preaching and saying you want to die. But I did. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeking help. I've I've got therapy. I've got to get my meds tweaked and all of these things. But I just wanted to say it's it's out there and it needs to be talked about. And wonderful, devoted Christians can still go through it. And we don't really understand it the reason i'll say that again too is a couple of years ago when i was going through this i said to a a pastor friend um you know I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well and he said immediately are you meditating and having your quiet time i was shocked i, I was shocked because the implication of course is that if i had been i wouldn't be depressed and uh I said to him later, I went to see him, I said, actually, you know, there wasn't a good thing to say because you never asked me that when I had cancer. When you tell somebody you have cancer, they don't say, oh, how are your devotions doing? No, because the implication is that if you'd been having your devotions and close with God, this wouldn't happen. So it does happen. It does happen. And we need to be aware and we need to be able to make make it so that people can talk about it without being rejected or considered less spiritual, and that they can seek help, and then that's okay. So talk about it, okay? Thanks.
0: Well, thank you so much, Joanne, for sharing your story and experience with us. What do we do when we find ourselves hitting a spiritual wall? When everything in you, you want to believe in the goodness of God, But what you see with your eyes is different than what you believe. What you see with your eyes is different than what you believe and what you know to be true about God. What do we do when we hit that wall, when we feel that tension? We are in one of the most incredibly raw books of the Bible, the book of Habakkuk. A prophet, a minor prophet. And what is a minor prophet? Does it mean he's less important than other prophets? Absolutely not. All that simply means is that we don't know as much about him. But what we do know is almost disturbing because what prophets typically do is they hear the voice of God and they share that voice or the word from God and they share it with the people. And this is very common in the Old Testament. Kings would go to the prophets and say, oh, prophet, what did God say to you about this and this and this? And sometimes it was good news and sometimes it was not. But in this case, Habakkuk is actually going to God on behalf of the people. And he's asking God, where are you? Your people, your chosen people, they're suffering. They're angry. They're depressed. They're in a dark season. Where are you? Life is difficult. The whole book is difficult. It's challenging. But here's the thing. If you didn't really like last week's message, if you didn't really like how it was ended, I don't know if you're going to appreciate this week's message either. But there is hope in the darkness. So before you click the share button today on this experience, you can click the share and say, Hey, welcome to North Shore Church's online experience. You might not like what the pastor has to say today. Does that mean what I have to say is bad? Absolutely not. Does that mean what, what God is speaking to us through his word today should not be spoken? Of course not. He wouldn't have put it in his word if he didn't want us to hear it. What we are sharing today isn't the kind of message with a nice bow on top, but it's something that cuts through maybe the, the comfort of church, the comfort of things, puts us in a bit of an uncomfortable zone, and lets God speak to the truth of where we're really at. Because God knows that there is brokenness in this world. God knows that even though we can pretend things are okay, He knows that things aren't always okay. And he's given us this book of Habakkuk, something so raw, something so real to help us move through these difficult seasons. Now, chapter one. Chapter one was all about wondering. Wondering about God in the difficult times. Wondering, God, where are you? Asking the questions. God, where are you? It's filled with wonder and it's a difficult question to answer because we can't answer the why question. Well, this week we're talking about the waiting. And waiting is almost more difficult than the wondering. Fine, I don't need to know why. I don't need to know. I don't need to wonder anymore. I can live in the wonder stage. I can live in the why stage because God, you're, you're God, I'm not. I can handle that. But now I'm in the waiting. Now what? Now what? I'm in the waiting stage. Waiting is even more difficult. Habakkuk cries out to God, deliver us. And God says to him, if you remember from last week, He says, okay, okay, Habakkuk, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. You're not even going to believe it. It's so amazing. You're not even going to believe it when I tell you. And Habakkuk gets excited. He's like, okay, good. Here's the good news. God's going to speak. He says, everything's going to be great. We're going to be happy. We're going to live. We're going to have blessed lives. And God says, actually, I'm going to raise up your enemy against you. Uh, People who are even worse than you, people who are doing things that are worse than your people, the people that are my holy people, they're doing things that are worse and totally unpleasing to me. I'm going to raise raise them up, and they are going to come. They are going to issue a judgment on you. And so, of course, this is not the news that Habakkuk, Habakkuk wants. This is not the news that you and I want when we cry out to God. God, where are you? Here I am. I'm wondering where you are. God, where are you? And God responds, and he says, "Hey, look, it's got to get worse." before it gets better. What I'm going to tell you is not what you want to hear. He's beside himself. He's absolutely despised. beside himself. This does not make sense. This isn't the God that I want to believe in. Chapter one, he's wondering, why, why, why? Why don't you do what I want you to do? Chapter two, he's waiting. God, when are your promises going to come true? Because they've all heard the promises as a child of God, as the children of Israel. They know that there's a Messiah that is coming. They know that there's a Redeemer coming. And yet, things are getting darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. And he says, when are your promises going to come true? Last week was asking about why. This week is about waiting, 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 waiting. How many here, you tell me in the comments, how many of you like to wait? Wait. You know, we got to wait in line to get into the store. How many like doing that? Some places you got to wait to get a parking spot. Thankfully, North Shore, not really an issue. But some of us, we have to wait in line at the post office. We have to go to the grocery store, and we have to wait for the person in front of us to get what they want off the shelf. And sometimes you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. Then you get to the checkout, and you got to wait, 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 wait some more. Us small-town folk... Now, we go to the city, and you get to a a traffic light, and you hit a red light, and you got to wait, and you got to wait. It's not just go. You know, my my biggest waiting is about 5 o'clock, just before 5 o'clock. Guaranteed, when I go to pick up my son from daycare, guaranteed I'm going to have to wait for the three extra cars that normally aren't there on the highway to make my left-hand turn. And I get annoyed because I'm waiting. I hate the waiting. No one likes to wait. You know, we can't even... Can't even wait for the next TV show to come out next week. We got to watch it on Netflix or Amazon Prime Video, whatever. We got to binge the whole season. We can't just wait till next week for the next episode. We got to watch the whole season, and then maybe if we're still awake, we can watch season two. It's it's the reality of our world today. Hello lockdown. What am I gonna do in lockdown? Gonna watch more TV. It just seems to be the way it is, right? So, what do we do when we're stuck spiritually? What do we do in our waiting? What do we do when we're hurting? In chapter two, we're going to look at three things today. We're going to look at three things to do in our waiting. And these are not things that Pastor Gary just randomly came up with. These are not things that Pastor Gary stole from Craig Groeschel, who is a pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma, who inspired this message and inspired this series. These are not three things that are just out of thin air. These are three things right from God's word himself right from the book of Habakkuk. Instructions that God gives to Habakkuk in his waiting. And I think we're going to lose the camera here. Here we go. We're we're playing with fire. First one is this. Listen up, he says. Let me show you the first thing to do. And some of you, if you're hurting, if you're broken, you're in your wondering, the first thing that we're going to see Habakkuk do is he's going to listen to God. What I like about this is that God is not going to do what you want him to do. Some people walk away. Some people give up. Some people just doubt God altogether. Some people just quit on him and and just leave the whole thing. But Habakkuk doesn't do any of those things. Instead, what does he do? He positions himself. Pay attention to this. You could say, you could just type it in the comments. Say Habakkuk positions himself in the most strategic place to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. Let me say that again. Habakkuk positions himself in the most strategic place possible to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. Here's what it says in, in verse or chapter 2 verse 1. He says, "I will stand at my watch in the station myself at my guard post. There I will sit, I will wait and I will see what the Lord says." And he will answer my complaint. He's positioning himself to hear from God. He's putting himself in a position where he can see God coming. In other words, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get into the best position possible to see the hand of God and to hear his voice. In your hurting, in your brokenness, in your wondering, in your waiting, wherever you find yourself today in your darkness, position yourself Put yourself in a place that you can hear God and you can see God. Even if when you come to church or watch church online or you talk to another Christian or you pick up a Bible and you read it, when you put on your favorite Christian music or worship song, even if in those moments you still can't hear or feel the presence of God, do the things that are pleasing and faithful to Him because it will position your mind, it will position your heart. Take a posture of worship. Raise your hands. What a powerful statement of faith that is. God, I can't hear you. I can't see you, but I'm choosing to worship you. I'm taking a posture of worship today, God, because I am waiting here for you. I am putting my trust and my faith in you. I am waiting here for you. And he says, I will look to see what God will say to me. This is not easy to do when you're hurting. What's the first thing you want to do in darkness? When it gets dark outside, I just want to close my eyes and go to bed. When I'm hurting, when I'm broken, what do we want? We want to curl up in a ball and hide. We don't want, the, we don't want anyone to see us. We don't want the world to see us hurting. We don't want God to see us hurting. We don't want our friends to see us hurting. I mean, that's a, that's a bit of a lie of the enemy. We'll get to that in a minute. Posture ourselves in our brokenness. Position ourselves to hear from God. And instead of telling God what you want him to do in those times, it's important to position our ears to listen. Listen to what God is speaking. Because God can speak through his word. I think most times God speaks through his word. Some people hear an audible voice of God. I have never heard the audible voice of God, but I have been in positions in my life where I know God is clearly speaking to me. Put yourself in a place where you can hear the spirit of God speaking. May we have ears to hear in our waiting. He will speak to you. Just because God is silent does not mean God is absent. Just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. Now, let me warn you, let's be real honest here for a minute. Sometimes when you hear from God, he's going to tell you something you don't want to hear. He's going to tell you something you don't want to hear, which is exactly what happened to Habakkuk. You're going to do something amazing, God, that's great. Something I've never even seen before. Something I could hardly believe. And then he tells him the bad news. Something he doesn't want him to hear. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul, who is kind of the star of the New Testament after Jesus. Incredible man of God. Probably no better example of someone who would deserve God's ear to listen and do what he asked God to do. He had something what he refers to as a thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what that is. Some theologians guess that it was blindness, it was an addiction, or he had some sort of pain or suffering, depression. We could guess all kinds of things. We don't know for sure. But he had what he called a thorn in his side. And we don't know what it was. But he begged and he pleaded with God three times, take this away from me. And you know what God said to him? Big fat N-O no. I will not. If I'm Paul, and this is how I feel, hey, God, look at all the things that I've done for you. Look at how many times I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I was stoned, and not the recreational kind of stoned that you may be familiar with today. No, hit with rocks, nearly died, probably died, God brought him back kind of situation. And yet God says to Paul, who is probably the most deserving after Jesus, he says, no let that sink in for a minute we're asking God to respond to our requests God deliver me heal me remove me and God says no but the pastor said I saw a video on YouTube I read that you know God wants me to be happy God wants me to be whole and you know what he does Which just increases our faith even more when he says no. Or sometimes he says not right now, we're not yet. Number one, we listen, we listen, we listen, we listen. God's going to show us once we hear what he's saying. Number one, we listen. So what do we do when God speaks? Well, very famous passage, I've used it many times. Let's read here. He says in verse verse two I think of chapter two he says write it down write down the vision write down what God has spoken to you we document it we record why do we do this why do we write down the revelation this is what he says he says write down the revelation make it plain on a tablet document it write it down this is what is going to happen I'm telling you hold on to this because he does give some valuable information in his vision he says write it down Why do we do this? Because we have a spiritual enemy and that enemy comes to seek, kill, steal, and destroy. He comes to take away from you what God has given you. God will give you a word. God will give you a word of encouragement, a word of faith. He will give you a moment of peace and our enemy wants to take away every single one of those things maybe you listened and watched last week's message and sermon and you went oh that was so good you know I just needed to hear that word even though you know there wasn't that pretty bow but I'm learning to wrestle I'm learning to embrace all of a sudden that voice comes into your head and you go did Pastor Gary really mean that maybe he just wants you to be angry at God maybe he wants you just to give up on God but Pastor Gary said possibly can't be real and he comes and he just begins to deceive us and trick us and and tries to move us away from the things that God wants. So write down what God says. You cannot deny your own writing. You know, it's like our signature when we sign something and we're held accountable for our signature. Well, that you signed it, therefore that, that's your signature, that's your name. You can believe that that's true. So write it down. Write down what God says to you so that you never forget. No one can tell you otherwise. The devil can't come and convince you that that is not what God said because the moment that God said it to you, you wrote it down word for word for word for word. Never forget what God says to you, even if it's something you don't want to hear. Write down what God speaks to you. So many times in my misery or my suffering, you know what God does? He says to me, Gary, go and worship. When you're grumpy, Gary, when you're getting short with your kids and your family, Gary, just go grab your guitar and go and worship. You know, I, sh- I should write that down because there's moments where I, I, I just forget it and I, and I do something, I say something, I respond in a way I don't want to respond. And yet I know God just says, take a minute, Gary, breathe and worship. And so if I remember, if I look at the reminder, I see the guitar hanging on the wall. Which you've, many of you seen in my other backgrounds in my video, Guitar Hangs on the Wall. Go play it. Put on, I have, I have a playlist of songs that I just love to worship to. I put it on, and all of a sudden my mind begins to focus on God. Doesn't make my problems go away. Doesn't make my tiredness, usually the cause of my grumpiness, go away. It doesn't make the misery or the brokenness dissipate. But it sets my attention and my focus on God. You know, this reminds me of Paul and Silas. You know We talked about Paul a moment ago. He had a buddy named Silas. They are arrested. They're thrown into prison. They're shackled. Not only are they in jail, their hands are bound. Their feet are bound. And all of a sudden, what do they do? They decide, you know what? We're going to start praising God. We're going to worship God like we've never worshipped before. And they start singing. And then God shows up. God shows up and the prison earthquake starts to shake. Doors open, shackles broken off them. They are able to walk out of the prison. The guard is ready to take his own life because all the prisoners are ready to escape. And yet they show up, they're standing right there. Long before the shackles come free, we're praising God in advance. Before we ever see the miracle, we're praising God. We're thanking him for his goodness. We're listening to, God, to what God will say. Will you write that down? And finally, the third thing, the third thing that we need to do, when we're in a tough situation, when we're waiting on God. The third thing is difficult. It's not fun. It's wait. (laughs) Okay, Gary, that doesn't sound very profound. When we're waiting on God, we should wait. Listen, listen, listen. Write, 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 and wait. You wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait on the faithfulness of God. Some of you, you're right now, you're waiting for God to show up. You're waiting for the miracle. You're waiting for the light. Some of you at the end of the tunnel. Will my child ever come back to Christ? Will my child ever find faith? You're waiting, you're praying. Will my marriage ever be restored? Will my marriage ever be good? Will my relationships ever succeed? Will I ever overcome this darkness? Will my wounds ever be healed? Will I ever walk again? Will I ever talk again? God, is the cry of my heart ever going to be heard? Is God ever going to stop the migraines? Is God ever going to take me out of this depression that holds me down? You wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Habakkuk 2:3 probably the most important verse in the entire book of the Bible or book of Habakkuk. So what it says, chapter 2 verse 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Write down in the comments today appointed time. Take that word and just type out appointed time. Say it with me, appointed time. Though it linger, wait for it. Some of you are waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and you're waiting. I like the way the Living Bible says the same verse. This is what it says. God says, but the things I plan won't happen right away. Then God says, slowly, steadily, surely as the time approaches, when the vision will be fulfilled, if it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. At the appointed time, God will deliver. And that is the hope that we hold on to today. At the appointed time, God will respond. At the appointed time, appointed time, he will do his perfect will. We hold on to that hope today. The word in Hebrew that is translated as appointed time is the word mo-aid. M-O-A-I-D. Mo-aid. It literally means perfect, unstoppable timing of God. Think of it this way. Think of a child uh, that is about to be born. Okay, a laboring mother. About to be give birth. You know, there is no waiting for that child. There's no holding that child back. When that baby comes, that baby is coming. My wife loves when that happens because she loves delivering babies. And that doesn't happen here in Terrace Bay very often. But when it does, there is no time to lose because that baby is here. It's ready to come. Now is the time. When God's appointed time happens. There is no stopping it. You can't force God's timing and you can't stop God's timing. Sometimes it feels like it's taking forever. It's never going to come to pass. Not seeing anything. Though it linger, wait. Though it lingers, wait. Though it lingers, wait. Here, write this one down. Put this in the comments today. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. Just because you haven't seen it does not mean God is not going to do it. Though it linger, wait for it. Habakkuk is waiting. God, when are you going to bring justice on us? When are you going to bring justice on them, the enemies? When are you going to show up? I don't understand. He's confused. And this is what God says. God acknowledges the Babylonians are evil. See the enemy, Babylon, it's puffed up. His desires are not upright. But God's not talking about them. He's talking to Habakkuk. And he says, But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness, will live by God's faithfulness. In the New Testament, scripture says, The righteousness will live by faith. The righteousness will live by faith. We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Our faith is not based on what we see or what we want, thankfully. Or getting the desired outcome, thankfully yet again. Our faith is based on the character and goodness and nature of God. We live by faith, we live by faith, we live by faith. Put that in the comments, say it, we live by faith. Habakkuk is disturbed, confused, upset, angry, betrayed. He's questioning, he's doubting, he's trying to hang on. And he says three words in verse 20. Almost as if he's reminding himself that God is still in charge. He says, but the Lord. Everybody say in your homes today, but the Lord. But God is in his holy temple. Even though I don't get it, even though I don't want it, even though I don't understand, but God. But God is still in his holy temple. No matter what I see, I choose faith. No matter what I feel, I choose faith. No matter what I hear, I choose faith. Even in my doubt, I will lift my hands, I will praise, I will worship. When I don't see a way with God, I know there is a way. But because of faithfulness of God, I will choose to walk by faith. I don't understand this, but I believe with everything in me, God is still good. God is on the throne. Because he is still there, I can worship him. I can see him move. I can praise him before I even see him. I can praise him before I even see him. Even in the waiting, I can praise. Chapter one, we're wondering. Wondering is difficult. Don't walk away. Waiting, even more difficult. Don't quit on God. Next week, chapter three. What happens in chapter three? Remember, you cannot have chapter three without Wondering and without waiting. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't walk away from God in chapter 1. Don't quit on Him in chapter 2. He's big enough to handle our wrestling and our questions. Continue to embrace. Continue to hold on. Continue to wrestle through. Keep wrestling. Keep embracing. Keep waiting. Do not give up. There's hope in the dark but God is in his holy temple. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would experience the goodness of God, the peace of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. Help us in our wrestling. Help us in our weakness. Help us to wait on you. God, you are so, 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 so good. We love you. We're holding on we're embracing you. Give us the strength. Give us the posture to worship. Help us in our waiting today. Help us in our listening. Help us in our writing. We trust you as we wait here for you. In your name I pray. Amen. (laughs)